You're listening to the Mind Podcast. Hey guys, today's guest touches on dealing with anxiety while parenting, running multiple businesses, and going through a life changing diagnosis. Would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, well, my name is Meredith, and I have three kids. Um, a high schooler, a middle schooler, an elementary schooler. I have been married for 17 years and we live in North Florida where we run um, a, a multitude of online businesses. I guess we have a parenting website. We have uh, all of our social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, uh, the TikTok now, which is very odd to me, but Right. We have one and um, we have our merchandise. I've written a couple of books. My latest book is called Ask Me What's for Dinner One More Time. And um, I make, uh, you know, hopefully funny videos, uh, most of the time funny on the internet. Hey, that was quite an intro. <laughs> I'm, I, 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 you know, disasters along the way, but pretty much uh, for the life. most part. That's what we do. <laughs> right. That's life though. I mean, has anybody ever had a, a life without disaster? No, oh, I don't know. I mean, maybe, but I think that most people just lie about things being easy. Right. Right. Probably because they just don't want to tell anybody or they don't want to tell their story again. Yeah. I think a lot of it is just, um, you know, this feeling of probably, um, embarrassment or failure, which if people would open up and talk about, they'd realize that they're not alone in that, that most, most of us have not only felt it, but feel it frequently. <laughs> yeah. On a daily basis. Yeah. Especially raising children. Yeah. And right now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's hard. So what has your been? what has your been? What has your experience been with mental health and mental illness? Oh, well, I am riddled with anxiety. I've always been uh, an anxious person, but I think something just like a switch was flipped when I had kids. And You're totally fine. We'll, we'll wait for you. I'm being hard. What are you looking for? I can help you. Oh, no, I don't know where your earbuds are. Okay, can you, um, well, I guess they can stay. Just shut the door. They'll lay down in a minute. I need like one of those recording signs, you know, yeah. like on air. Yeah, but I think they'd come in anyway. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it is what it is, but well, maybe they can't stay. I don't know what the hell's going on today. This is real life though. If you don't edit this out, this is as real as it gets. Um, so I think when I, when I became a mom, that's when the anxiety started to really kind of like run in high gear, mostly because now I was really and truly responsible for this other person. You know, like you get married and you're responsible, but like you're married to another adult. So they're supposed to kind of be, oh, geez, it just never ends. Okay. You're getting kicked out. Come on. 
need somebody to lock up Ruth. Please. It never ends. That's a game piece. She was chewing on a game piece and she was going to choke. Because, of course. So anyway. Real life. Real life. Sorry. This You're is, fine, I don't think it. I've ever, I've never recorded a podcast that didn't have several interruptions. Um, even my own every week. Uh, but yeah, so I think it just sort of kicked in gear with kids. And then, uh, you know, one kid, it was, you know, a certain, certain amount of anxiety. Second kid, you know, doubled for me because now there's two of them. Um, that was the first time I started actually taking anxiety medication. Um, however, I had terrible side effects with the medication and, um, ended up switching a couple of times and, uh, I had switched in December or January, uh, after my, my daughter was, my daughter wasn't even one yet. And I was switching meds and that um february i found out i was pregnant with my third and so i had to stop taking my medication um so then with the third pregnancy um you know i you know we just you know you you kind of wing it because it, it wasn't safe to take anything and so then the third one um after i had my my uh last my youngest the baby um it just it just started to swirl and swirl. I mean, you know, talk about living in the trenches with three kids under the age of, um, you know, five and under it, it was a lot. And it's actually, um, the reason that I started doing what I do now, uh, which was starting, I, I started a blog and not anonymously at first. And oh. so I would write, about the things that were going on and about the, and how I was feeling as one of the ways to relieve some of the anxiety that I was having. Was it helpful for you? Yeah, it was. I think anytime that I can get the words out of my brain and onto paper or in the form of communication, it's sort of therapy for me. Like that's what I need. I need to just kind of get it out. So there's lots of ways that I treat my anxiety because I don't take medication um, oh. writing is one way I, I treat my anxiety working out. I usually work out twice a day, once in the morning and once at night. Wow. Um, cause my brain never stops. I think like most people who suffer from anxiety or depression or some form of a mental, uh, health issue, your brain doesn't stop. And so just the, the, it's like the hamster on the wheel, but the hamster never gets tired. And I'm always like, when is this hamster going to like get off the damn wheel? But it doesn't. So I have to do things that kind of bring it into measure. I've just never found, I was never able to find something where I didn't have um, some type of, of an adverse reaction. Cause I, I'm a, an allergy person. Oh, okay. I have terrible allergies. So uh, there aren't many medications that I can take without having some sort of a reaction. Um, so I've just, I was something that I, I just kind of ruled out as a, a way to cope with it. Um, so I find other ways and yeah. this page in this community has actually probably been the one thing that saved me because I have like this daily dose of therapy with my people. Right. And that, I mean, people 
don't realize how much we need each other. Yeah. Until we don't have it. Mm-hmm. So that's awesome. What, what kind of side effects did you have when you were first taking it? I mean, I know you said you get a whole slew of them, but what were, I, um, I have low blood pressure and like, I just as a normal thing, like I have low. So when I go to the doctor's office, I have low blood pressure. So I might be like 80 over 60, like okay. just, I, it's just the way I am, but on the pills, I would be so low that it's like, Oh, this is dangerous. Like you have to continue to have a pulse. Um, yeah. I, and then I also had, um, I had side effects where there was the inability to perform in the bedroom. Um, and that was, it really kind of, you know, was a, a problem for us because yeah. I was like, you know, not only was I not interested, but then when we were together, I was like, I, I can't, I feel like I can't even participate because I'm just like, I'm here, but none of this is, is, is any good. None of this is worth anything. Yeah. Um, and I would just have, um, I was one of those people where it's like, if this, this medication may cause drowsiness, no, no, I'm in a coma. So I would be like driving to work and be like, oh my gosh, I can't keep my eyes open. Like it was just this, it was the weirdest thing. And so we tried different ones and different ones had different side effects. And, um, so I've tried, tried smaller doses of things, but I just never really got into, and then I ended up pregnant. So I stopped and then I just sort of came to the point where I I was like, okay, what, how can I try and treat this without medication if I can? And so I started doing some of my own research and I started figuring out things that would help. And so therapy does help. And so I have done therapy um, many times, uh, with many, a couple of different, we have, we currently still have a family therapist that we oh, see. Awesome. Um, so we totally, I'm big into therapy. I am a proponent of medication if it works for you and it's safe. I have, you know, there's absolutely, I don't think there's any reason to not go down that path. If that's what a doctor recommends, as long as it's, it works for you physically. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I've really been able to sort of control things with, um, with exercising and with, you know, writing and using a creative outlet for that. And the fact that literally I go live almost seven days a week to my community where I'm talking about these things all the time. And then on top of that, I have the podcast. And then on top of that, I'm creating videos or I'm writing, you know, articles or pieces or posts. And so all of these things kind of give me that outlet to say, these are the feelings that I'm having, or this is what's going on. And you know, so it's been great because that gives you, that gives you an outlet. And so you just have to figure out what is your outlet? What is the way that you can take, whether it's the nervous energy or those feelings and, you know, give them a, uh, an avenue to mm-hmm. kind of feel the feels and then kind of get through that part, you know, instead of just ignoring those feelings, you know, like right. feel the feels and, you know, see how it, see how it goes. Right. Exactly. And it sounds like you're super, super busy. Do you feel like that helps just kind of, it sounds like you're just always on the go. I'm one of those people that, um, I'm one, I'm one of those people that, um, can't sit still. And I think that's from my anxiety because when I sit still, then I can hear the hamster on the wheel. 
So it takes quite a bit to tune me down and say, okay, you know, like my husband is always telling me to relax. And it's like, well, if I could relax, (laughs) I would. Um, But I just don't have that button. So um, if I'm going to like sit like Saturday of this week, the plan is to not do anything during the day. Like I, I'm really going to not try to do anything. So uh, I have to have an activity to distract me to not do something. So I'm going to have to pick a new show to binge or I'm going to have to, otherwise I will be up and I will be around or I will find an excuse to go do X, Y, and Z um, mm-hmm. because of my anxiety. So my anxiety will cause and create burnout because I can't just shut off or unplug. Right. So it's a cycle and you have to recognize the cycle. And because I know that that's something that happens, I have to say, okay, like I said to my husband, he's like, I'm golfing Saturday in a tournament. I said, that's fine. I am going to, um, I picked some new, uh, British television show that I'm going to watch. Everybody is going to leave me alone, which they won't, the kids will not. But I said, I'm going to start on episode one and and try and get through episode five. And that's going to be my downtime. Leave me alone for those, that block of time. I'll be interrupted a million times, but that's what I'm going to try and do. So I have to like force my way into shutting down, but it is, it's hard to do when you have when you're worrying about a million things that happened 20 years ago and what could potentially happen 20 years from now. Right. Right. Like you said, that hamster wheel, it's just annoying and squeaky. And no matter how much you oil it, it's still going to hang around. Yeah, it doesn't. It's, and I, I think it's odd because of the way if if you have um, mental health issues or whatever, it's odd because I can't, I don't even know how, a person without it thinks right, or functions right. because yeah. it's a constant, like I have a constant dialogue in my head. Mm-hmm. It never stops. Somebody's always talking in my head. There's always a voice. I mean, it's my voice, but there's yeah. always a voice. And the, the, the therapist one time was like, well, is it your voice or somebody else's voice? Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, no, it's my voice. But like, mm-hmm. I hear myself all the time talking, like you have to go do this or you have to do that. Or do you remember that stupid thing you said like eight years ago to so-and-so they probably still hate you. Yeah. Yeah. They do. Do you want to do And it just goes nonstop, nonstop, ping, 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 ping. So that's why I try. And I do, I am a structured person, you know, the I, I'm as anal retentive as they come, but staying on a schedule, keeping structured, having my lists brings me calm in the storm that is everything else. Right. And so, and that's how, and I think that's the other thing too, is having a kid on the spectrum. I have to, you know, I've, I've given him some of these things that I've used in order to keep myself sort of going. I've given him those tips and said, Hey, you know, like, writing these things down helps me or, Hey, setting alarms in your phone to remind you. Cause he lives in his own world. Like I keep looking out the window cause he's supposed to be home from school and I don't see him yet. And it's time, like it's time for him to be home now. So like, right. I'm going to be checking in a minute. I'm going to stop this podcast and I'm going to call him and be like, where are you? You need, you know, he should be riding home from school right now. Yeah. Um, and he has an alarm that is set to remind him to call me, which he didn't do. Now he could have called his father. But you know what I'm saying? Like, and so when you have, when you're somebody who's like that, and then you have a kid either with those same issues or who's on the spectrum or whatever, sometimes I wonder how much of me was passed on to him. Mm -hmm. 
And it's like, I have to, I have to, I have to help him with those things as well. Cause I recognize it and I see it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But that's hugely helpful that at least you can kind of do like your own early intervention with him. Which is why we all do family therapy together. Um, my husband, you sometimes my husband, but always my son and I, and then when we have to bring in another member of the family, um, because you know, there's uh, three kids, somebody's always fighting. Right. Exactly. Is this your youngest kid? Yes. He's 10. Okay. He's 10. When did you guys first notice that he was starting having spectrum like symptoms? Um, well, he wasn't walking or talking by the time he was 15 months. So we were flagged pretty early. Um, he's at home. I just texted him. He snuck in. I didn't even see him. Oh, he didn't even bother me. How nice is that? He says, I'm home. I've already taken a shower. Okay. On a podcast. So he, he must've spoken to his dad. Cause I didn't even, I didn't even see him yet. Um, so he was, he, he actually has, um, a traumatic brain injury from birth, which we didn't know about. Um, oh. but that caused the, um, the not walking and the not talking. Um, and then, so that was diagnosed at 15 months and they told us, you know, odds are good that he'll be on the spectrum. These are the things you need to look out for. And so then he was diagnosed on the spectrum at four. Um, so he was in, let's see, he was in leg braces until four Then the leg braces came off and he just ran out of them. And the kid has not stopped running since. Um, and he didn't talk for the longest time, but he doesn't stop now. So there's, so there's all of these things, you know, eventually he did, he's, he's very bright, um, but he lives in his own world. So, um, it's hard to kind of teach him time management, uh, because he doesn't understand the concept of time. So when we tell him you have 20 minutes, he knows that he knows that the, t- that at one o'clock, if I tell him he has 20 minutes, it's one twenty. but there is no concept of time in his brain. So at three o'clock, he'll be like, I was supposed to do something. Uh-huh. And it's like, you were supposed to call at one twenty, or you're supposed to come back home at one twenty. So we frequently, like we, we had to get a tracking watch on him because when he leaves the house, it's like, I have to know where you are because he just yeah. doesn't, he doesn't come back when he's supposed to. And he's old enough now that he could be roaming the neighborhood at 10. You know, it's a, there's, yeah. it's not a busy area or whatever. And, and he rides his bike to school. It's only a mile to the school, but he doesn't understand the concept of time. Like he doesn't understand that, you know, that there's segments really throughout that, you know, the course. And so yeah. it can be, it can be a little difficult, but that's been our big struggle recently is like, he, he doesn't, he just, he's happy kid, but he is just no concept of like the other things that are going on around the world. And you're just, it's exhausting. Right. Because we have the same arguments over and over again, and he just doesn't grasp it. Right. So there's, there's no you know, learning from the mistakes. No, he doesn't learn from the, the mistake because he doesn't understand the mistake. Right. I mean, he logically understands time exists. Yeah. But in his brain, there's no such thing as time. Right. He just wow. goes around and it's like, oh my gosh. Okay. Now, do you feel like that affects your anxiety? 
Yeah, it, it's definitely, it's exhausting because having that conversation over and over, and here's the neighbor kid now rolling up to my house. He's going to be knocking on my door to ask Brian to come outside to play. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's a lot. It just becomes a lot. And when you're already an anxious person who doesn't know how to relax and all of these things happen, you know, it's pretty nonstop. Brian. <laughs> nonstop is good though. I mean, it makes you feel alive, right? <laughs> Girls. I don't know if somebody's coming. confined to the front of the house now because of his inability to monitor time (laughs) so he's allowed to stay like he ride his skateboard or his bike up and down the one side of our sidewalk because Uh he's literally he he it's it's exhausting like that's at the point where we're at with him where it's just like I can't let you out of my sight because you you can't follow the rules and it's not that he doesn't want to follow the rules and it's never malicious but the kid just has zero concept of like time. He's very black and white. And, Mm -hmm. and, um, he just, he, you know, it's, it's like, it's the weirdest thing, but. Do you have a lot of other parents in your groups and who watch your lives and podcasts that also have kids on the spectrum? Yeah, we have a good, we have a good section of, um, a good set of parents in there. And we also have a lot in the supporter group that we have um, sort of our private Facebook groups as well. And we all kind of go back and forth and talk and give advice to each other. Um, Cause he's Brian's also not fully potty trained. Um, He's fine during the day, but he uh, wets the bed almost every night. So, um, you know, that's, that's a spectrum thing, but it's also a TMI brain injury thing. So, you know, it's, it's, it sucks because you're washing sheets frequently and, you know, always trying to figure out some tip or trick to, to, to fit quote unquote, fix this, but sometimes you can't fix it. You just have to learn to manage it and deal with it. Um, so we talk about those things and, and, you know, the, uh, some of the stuff, you know, that we talk about as well as when they, when they, they, uh, act out with various behaviors, you know, hitting, kicking, punching, um, you know, cause he can get, he, he, he can definitely get to that point, um, especially with his siblings or with me. Uh, and that's uh, hard to talk about. Nobody wants to talk about getting punched by their kid. You know, no. nobody wants to, nobody wants to have that conversation, but I feel like I'm not the only one that's been punched by my kid. And, yeah. and, you know, I need somebody to talk to about that because it's a difficult thing to talk about, you know, but I've brought it up and I've had those conversations and it's good because it gives other people a seat at the table to have that discussion as well. 
And I feel like I can, I can cover it up and not talk about it and pretend that it's wonderful. Or I could be honest about where we are and have the conversation and make somebody else feel better. Right. Right. You know, and that makes me feel better. Right. Cause it's like, Hey, you're not alone and neither am I. Yeah. We, we both struggle with this and how does your husband handle it? He has a hard time. He's, he's very logic based, Mm -hmm. um, which I am not. So we kind of go together because I'm more of the creative one in the group and he's more of the, you know, let's make a spreadsheet, which I hate. Um, but he's completely about, you know, logical, you know, this is what happens. This is the consequence. This is it. And my son doesn't fall into that category. And so he struggles with him because he's like, I told you to be here at 120. And he's like, I know. And I wanted to be here at 120, but I didn't know what time it was. And he's like, but you have a watch. Look at your watch. He goes, I know. But in my head, I didn't think it was only 20 minutes. And he's like, you've been gone an hour, but like an hour to him is not an hour to the rest of us, right? Like, I'm so anxious, I'm constantly looking at my watch, like every three minutes, I'm like, I know, you know, every three minutes, I know what time it is, because I'm always looking at my watch, whereas he is just kind of like in this la la land. So, um, you know, it's, it's difficult for him, because he likes, he likes everything to be tied up in a neat bow. And that is not parenting. No, that is not life. No, no, neither of those things come perfectly gift wrapped. Unfortunately, well, and, 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 you know, if you want to put a bow on a dumpster fire, you can, it doesn't make it less of a dumpster fire, right? But it's go ahead. Still, yeah. It's still chaos. It's yeah. It's like I mean, that saying you can put lipstick on a pig, but it's still a pig. still a pig. You can shine a turd. It's still a turd, you know, like, I mean, I mean, we could sit here all day, you know, and talk about these things, but it's, you know, and to me, the imperfections um, are, are what make us who we are and it's how we tell our story. Right, right. And that's kind of a, it's a beautiful thing because it makes everyone's story a little different. Oh yeah. Well, you know, there's, it's like Dr. Sue says, there's only one you, you know, mm-hmm. so right. just, you know, be the, be the you that you who or whatever he says are or whatever, you know, I mean, he was a smart man, that Dr. Seuss. He definitely um, was. We, you know, you just, you need to be who you are because there's only one you and that's the you you're supposed to be. Uh, what do you think is some advice you would give yourself in your darkest moment? Uh, Maybe we should clarify what your darkest moment was, if you have one. Um. Yeah. When I was 34, I was diagnosed with an esophageal tumor and, uh, they couldn't biopsy it because it had broken through the esophagus and they were worried if they clipped it and it was cancer, it was going to spread everywhere. Hmm. So they basically gave me two weeks and said, you got to get your affairs in order. And I didn't know what that meant really, but it sounded pretty grim. Um, And so the doctor basically said, if we go in there and it's cancer, you'll either wake up and we'll be sending you to hospice because esophageal cancer is about a 5% survival rate. Um, You could end up 
uh, eating out of a bag for the rest of your life. You could end up, you know, with this, he gave me this entire, you know, spectrum of, of what ifs. And, um, you know, as a, as a, as a good Catholic, I went home and assumed I was being punished by God for sins. And I said, okay, uh, I'll be dead soon. So what does, what does this look like for my kids? What does this look like for my husband? And, um, you know, it really made me stop and think about uh, my life and like, was I happy with the life that I had? And was I happy? Had I done all the things I wanted to? And, you know, I was happy because I married the right guy and I had these three, these three beautiful kids and, you know, but I was like, I didn't do any of the things I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't complete any of the things I wanted to check off my list, but if I'm dead, I'm dead. So, okay. You know, what does that yeah. look like? But, yeah. you know, it definitely got dark there. You know, I was, I thought, you know, that my number had been called and it was time to go and no, I wasn't happy with all of the things I had done. Of course you have regrets and you have worries and fears and all of that. But I knew that I had made these kids and I knew that I had this guy who, who was the right guy. And so I thought, okay, if I'm going to be dead, uh, all right, it's fine. Um, but I also said to myself, if I'm not going to die, I'm going to change the things that I can change. And I'm going to do the things that I say I'm going to do. And I'm going to hold myself accountable. Right. And I did. That's awesome. And that's so, what and I, you and I didn't here. die. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did not die. I'm here. So, but I so did, you know, cancer. No, the, the tumor was what they call a spindle cell lyomyoma, which is basically a tumor that grows like a weed and it wrapped around my esophagus and it crushed it. So I only have a very small portion of esophagus. So my stomach is in my chest connected to my esophagus so that I can still eat. Um, but, um, they have to do this procedure. They said roughly every 10 years in order to make it work so that you can continue to do these things. So every year I have to get scoped. And then they tell me like my, this surgery was six years ago. Um, seven years ago, geez, six or seven years ago, Uh, it'll be seven years next year because it's 2014. So it's, um, next year will be seven years. And, um, usually they say around year 10, you have to go back in and have things fixed. So I have a couple more years until that will have to happen. Okay. Well, that's, I mean, that's good. Um, that must've been I mean, just to have regular anxiety, just anxiety in general, that probably skyrocketed it, right? Yeah. I mean, when they, when, when I found out about that, they definitely gave me, I think some lorazepam. I think I was on lorazepam for probably that month just to try and like calm down because I wasn't functioning. I wasn't able to get in the car and like pick up the kids from school without crying because the kids were very little. So I wasn't telling the kids anything. Oh, okay. I didn't, I didn't tell my kids anything. I told them that I had to go to the hospital to have some tests done, but then I didn't come home for six days, you know? Oh. So, but I didn't want to tell them. I mean, what do you tell, what do you tell a, a four-year-old, a five-year-old, you know? I mean, I, I wasn't going to tell them that I figured, I figured if it was bad news, we'd, we'd, they'd have a very short period of time to t- get the bad news and then it would be done. 
Yeah. Um, so I just, we, now I don't know that that was the right thing to do. That's just what I did. Right. I, I, you know, I looked at my husband and I was like, I don't want to say anything. And he basically just agreed with me. And so we didn't. And then we had a good support system at home. So I had enough people that could come and bring food, help with the kids, you know, cause I was in the hospital for six days. And then I was pretty much laid up on the couch for another couple of weeks before I was like up and moving around. Oh. Um, cause I was cut from sternum to belly button. Oh so I had God. my ribs cracked and I mean, oh. everything it was, so it was not pleasant, but I had enough help. And, you know, after about a month, I started to be somewhat normal again and, you know, like moving around and like doing all the things, but it was not, you know, it wasn't fond memories of the experience, but yeah. you know, it was, it was the, it was the, I actually consider the tumor a gift because it forced me to look at my life and make a change and, and make a choice. Right. That's awesome. I mean, when we can look at really crappy times in our life and see how they changed us for the better, that kind of makes that, like you said, it, it makes it a gift and not as this looming dark cloud that'll just forever hover over your head. Right. So it's, you know, it's, it's about perspective, mm -hmm. which I talk a lot about in my first book uh, called Scoop the Poop. I which was, which was oh, about, you know, picking your battles and finding perspective. And, and then you just kind of have to, you know, you have to, I, it's, it's like that saying, once you know better, you have to do better. Right. Right. Once I'm you know better, hard. because there are definitely times in our lives when we don't know better and we do stupid shit and we oop stuff, we do stupid stuff and we make uh, poor choices or say the wrong thing. And, and then once you know better, you need to do better. Right, right. That's not always easy, though, because sometimes it's much easier to just not worry about it. Yeah, but when you're somebody like me, I worry about everything anyway, so. Right. You know. So doing better probably takes away some of that anxiety. I just feel like it's my, you know, if I know that this is something that I need to be doing, or if I know I should be paying attention to this, or you know, and, and it can, it definitely can be difficult because I'm, 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 I want to be organized, but I'm so chaotic that it's hard to be organized. Just my thoughts are chaotic. Things get chaotic. The kids are chaotic. So I just, you know, I try. And yeah. so I think you just, if you have people who can help you along the way, then obviously you're blessed, you know, like my husband, who's constantly reminding me to do things or to write, you know, these reminders and yes, that can feel annoying, but I, I need it, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I do this. I, tr I try and do the same for him. Obviously I am annoying as well. <laughs> so, you know, but it's, but we also work together. So yeah, yeah. we're together that's a lot. Point. Yeah. That's the point of a, a partnership is to help each other, even if you're annoying. <laughs> yeah, we do. We try. We try. And he's very, he's, he's, he's an, a wonderful, wonderful spouse and a wonderful business partner. But, you know, people know if you follow the page or you listen to the podcast, it's not roses, 
you know, it's, it's, it's there, there's plenty of times, Lord, we've had fights on air, (laughs) you know, just, and people will know if the live starts and I've got my arms crossed and I'm pissy and they're like, Oh, they're fighting. And it's like, yeah, they can read my face. Clearly. This is my face. My face is saying we're fighting right now, but that's life. life. Yeah. Yeah. If you didn't fight, I would be more concerned. (laughs) Honestly. Well, Yes, I don't. I don't believe that there are married couples who don't have arguments, but some people say they don't. I don't believe them. I really don't. Oh, I do not. So what advice would you have given yourself during that time when you were going through all the, you know, you didn't know if it was cancer, you didn't know really what was going on? You know, um, my husband says it to me every time I get, he, I, I call it, um, spinny when I get spinny, when I go sideways, um, uh, I get that when the overwhelm comes in and I kind of sort of go to the, like a hang a hard left, my husband always says, you, you know, you're, 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 you're zoomed all the way in or he goes, you're, 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 you have the, you're, it's like, you're up in a plane and you're looking at all of it. You can't, you got to zoom in. What can you do right this minute? What can you do right this second? What has to happen today? He goes, don't look at the, the zoomed out version of the map. Look at the map on zoom. What can you do right now? Yeah. You know, cause I was sitting there planning my death, my funeral. I was getting my husband a match.com subscription so he could find a wife. I was doing all of these ridiculous things and he, you know, and he's like, stop, just worry about today. Like, what do you have to do today in order to get ready for this procedure? Okay. You want to make freezer meals? Fine. Make freezer meals if that'll make you feel better, but don't worry about your eulogy. You've not died. Like, don't do this, you know? And so every time I get swirly, he says, zoom in. What do you have to do right now? Like, today. So every day I make a to-do list Oh yay. every single day. I have multiple of them. They're all over my desk for different parts of the business or for different things that have to be done. I'm still the old person who has a desk calendar because I also have to take what's on the list onto the desk calendar. Then it has to go onto the phone calendar. Um, but that helps me from getting super swirly. So he's like, okay, look at your list. Look at your calendar. Did you put everything in? These are the only things you have to worry about. Cause I'll say to him, well, I have to go to the store to do it. Is it on your list? No, well, then you're not doing it today. Right. Well, but I wanted to, nope, it's not on the list. You didn't put it on the list, put it on the list for tomorrow, but you're not doing it today. And so he'll stop me and I tell him, I've made it a point now to tell him I'm swirly. Okay, what's the problem? This is what I'm anxious about. And I rattle off a million things. Okay, but only two of those things can happen right now. Right. And so then I have to dial it back. Right. That's you awesome. Know? Yeah. You're, so you're that's taking things in chunks. You have to be, it has to be digestible chunks. Mm-hmm. It's the way I write my books. It's how I do my lives. It's how I try to create my content because I feel like too much of life is, is, is like forcefully like fed to us. And it's like, no, no, no. I need it. I need one bite at a time. Right. Because right. when I don't, when I get the whole meal, you know, like I'm literally one of those people that when your plate is in front of you, I can only eat one thing at a time. Oh, 
Like so literally when you're one thing. So like on, on Thanksgiving on my plate, I can have mashed potatoes, stuffing, cranberry sauce, my turkey. We, we don't eat meat. So it's my tofurkey, uh-huh. my green bean casserole, my corn, my whatever. I eat all my stuffing. I eat all my potatoes. <laughs> I eat all my cranberry sauce. I can't mix and match one bite at a time. Okay. It's a, I'm weird. I know, but it just, but then it's also this whole control thing of like, well, I've done this part. I can now go to the next, I right. can now go to the next, but it's just the way people's brains are the weirdest things ever. Yes. And they're all so different. They all work yep. differently. I mean, thankfully you and your husband have brains that seem to work pretty well together. Well, I think, I think a lot of times the, the best relationships, whether it's a spouse or a friend or whatever, you have to have a lot of opposites in order to make things work. Like my podcast co-host is very different than me. She's also a very high anxiety person who, who suffers from depression now and now and again. Um, but she's an ex addict. She has a very different background in history. Um, we raise our kids very differently. Our marriages are very different. Um, we both do similar things in the space, but we, um, have very different thoughts, beliefs, ideas, but that's what, that's our strong suit. That's our, that's our, our, that's how we connect. Like people, you know, would probably look at us and think what a mismatched pair, but it's like, but that's the best kind of pair. Yeah. Like, I feel like a lot of times that's what goes together. You know, it's like peanut butter and jelly, you know, like they're very different, but they, they work, you know? So perfectly. Like if you're a puzzle piece, you need to find the opposite to you so that you guys mesh well together. Yeah, that's, I think that's true for everybody. I think sometimes it can be nice to have somebody who's so similar to you, but then you realize like you, you can have a lot of bumps along the road when you're very similar. I think that's why mothers and daughters sometimes struggle a lot or fathers and sons, Mm -hmm. um, because you're, you're so, there are a lot of similarities between you and that can get annoy you. Like you don't even realize how much it can annoy you, but like, you know, my mom and I, we are, we're storytellers. We're both storytellers, but, but we will do, we do things so similarly, similarly sometimes that it annoys me and I know it annoys her. And so we have to like, uh, you know, and my daughter and I are so similar with certain things. Like she is such a drama queen and she is so like, oh my gosh, she can be so difficult to quote unquote work with or live with. Right. But I'm the same way. I can be such a damn diva when I want to, when I want to be dramatic, it will be the scene that ends all scenes. Right. And she is the same way. And so it's a lot of times, but then my son and I, he's exactly like my husband. So we just, we just, it works. It it works. I love them. Everybody gives me shit because they're like, oh, your son is your favorite. I'm like, no, no, I love them all the same, but there are different relationships with your kids because they're different people. Yeah. How do you, and I, you know, different Sophia is, Sophia is going to be a very strong woman, very strong, but that's, but that's why I say like, I'm tough on her in this manner. And for this reason, because I need her to be strong and she'll be stronger than me. She's going to be more courageous than me. She's going to be, 
She's going to do amazing, wonderful things because I didn't let her get away with any of that crap, you know? Yeah. Um, but she is like a little clone. So it, it is funny because, you know, and then there's Brian who it's like, we have no idea what he's going to do. <laughs> we have no idea, but we're, we're excited and ready to see what it is. Yeah. And you'll be there for him when he needs you. Oh yeah. He, he's, he's, he, he's like my husband's shadow. He likes to follow him around and do, do the things that dad does. He likes to golf with him and, Aww. you know, so he'll, he'll, he likes to watch TV with me and he likes to golf with dad because he knows I'll let him watch things on TV that dad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that makes things a little more uh, sneaky and fun. Yeah. Yeah. Always. Um, so what is one of the ways that you engage in self-care? That's one of my favorite questions. <laughs> I do binge awful TV for self-care. Uh, it's one way that I can shut my brain off when I'm watching TV. I can shut my brain off and I can, and I can get into to like an episode of things. So like my recent binges have been Dr. Pimple Popper, <laughs> um, which is awful. Uh, but I just, the best way. I, I'm drawn to it. So it's, it's awful, but I love it. Um, I just watched atypical, which is a Netflix show about a family whose son is on the spectrum and it was fantastic. And I'm all caught up there. Um, I, obviously I exercise that's more for my mental health, I guess, but obviously it's self care too, because like, I don't want to die. So I'm trying to, I try to be healthy. Um, but you know, like if, if I had it my way in a perfect world, I would get a massage every week. Oh yeah. I love massages. I have a bad back. So like anytime I can sneak away and find a time to get it into my schedule, which obviously has not happened this year because you know, COVID. Yeah. Um, but in the perfect world, I would be going every single week and I would, it would be the one thing a week that would be just like this amazing highlight in a perfect right. scenario. Right. I know. I'm jealous of people who have that opportunity. Yeah, it would, it would definitely be like a, like a, like a, like a top pick thing. Right. For me. I don't know. I love massages, I know. which is weird. Cause I don't like to hug people or be like, <laughs> or be like that close with people, but I'm a, I'm a sore. Yeah. Go ahead. Dig in. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think lot. it's because of professional thing. I think there's that line or whatever. Like I totally right. wouldn't let like a friend massage me. That'd be super weird. But do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know. That got weird. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I think that's, I think more people feel like that than you'd think. <laughs> yeah, probably. It's just like a, a don't, don't get in my bubble type thing. <laughs> yeah. It's my space. I feel like that's yeah. kind of, it has a lot to do with anxiety too. Kind of like a, just a, I don't know. It's my energy. Don't, don't interrupt my energy. I think it's mostly because of, um, when you're high anxiety, uh, and people get in your space, it's lack of control. No, like I can't control. Yeah. If you come into my space and do things that I can't control, it's like, I'm one of those people that when I vacuum, I need to face the door because if the murderer comes in, I need to be forward facing to hit them with the vacuum cleaner. But if I, because like, if I'm vacuuming with my back to the door, I wouldn't hear the murderer and then they would come and get me. Oh. These are the things that I think about when I'm vacuuming. 
Right. Those intrusive right. thoughts, like the random. Not, it's not normal. I know it's not normal. I'm aware that there is a 99.9% chance that nobody is going to murder me at that moment in time, but it doesn't matter if I'm not facing the door as I'm vacuuming, I'll lose my shit. Right. Well, I mean, my thing has always been, even if your coping mechanisms are a little weird, as long as they're not hurting anybody or really intruding on your life in some big way, go for it. It's just, it's like stuff like when I exercise outside, if I'm walking, I'll never walk by the woods because like kidnappers live in the woods. Like it's not a normal, (laughs) but it's like, well, kidnappers and murderers live in the woods. So I'll walk on the other side, you know? And my husband was like, why does your brain work like that? And I'm like, I don't know. I just, it's my work. Like I worry about those things, you know, maybe too much true crime. I don't know. But I just have always, I've always had those, those thoughts or like I've always had it. And I know other people have those thoughts because I've said it one time on like an Instagram story when I was walking on the other side of the road to like show the woods Uh and people were like, oh yes, the murderers that live in the woods. And I was like, are you mocking me? Or do you agree with the fact that there are murderers in the woods? And then we had this whole like live feed about it. And I'm not alone. People also have that thought, probably people with anxiety not normal people that don't have a lot of anxiety, but I don't know. You know, I mean, it's just, like I said, most of these fears and things weren't present prior to having kids. They came with motherhood. I think mostly because we're just tasked with this job of now being in charge of these other people forever. And then that, that fear and that worry just comes right in. Right. Right. Well, you kind of have to, if you go back to caveman days, you know, you leave your baby somewhere and some animal might come and think it's dinner. The saber tooth tiger has an appetizer. Yeah. 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 Like ice age, but not, yeah, but not as cute and funny. Right. Exactly. More, um, terrifying and real. Yeah. Yeah. No, I wouldn't want to go back. I'm very comfortable in my, um, in, in, in my, um, 20 hope soon to be can't wait 2021, uh, frame of frame of life and mind, you know, I mean, we definitely are much softer now than we were in the cave days. Oh yeah. With, with a device for everything and, uh, you know, and, a and, a, and an inability to want for anything because we can just order it on Amazon. Right. In <clears throat> two days. Right. What do you mean? It's going to take two days. I want right. prime. I want it. I want it in 12 hours via a drone. Yeah, exactly. Just don't break it when you drop it from this drone. Right. Oh man. Do you, do you feel 2020 has messed with your head a little bit? Anxiety wise made it better. I've, or worse? I've probably had, I've had multiple mental breakdowns this year. Multiple. I've had a couple live just full on on a Facebook live, just lost it, just in tears, just, you know, crying. Uh, one time was because 2020 was really hard on my, on my youngest, um, not having a schedule and not having a routine was really tough for him. So when they did go back to school in late September, it got a little bit easier, but we were out of school from March until late September. So that was a long time to go without a routine. We also moved. 
uh, five hours away from where we were. So we have no family and no support system in that respect. Um, so I had lots of mini nervous breakdowns along the way this year. Um, I also am a person who likes to travel and there has been no travel um, right. during this time. So I like to travel for work, but I also like to just travel. Like if the kids had a break for school, we would always try to do something. Most of the time it wasn't anywhere far, but even if we went like an hour or two hours away to do something for a change of scenery, we haven't even done that. Oh, wow. So I, you know, 2020 was definitely hard for, for my mental health. Uh, but it, but it's, but it's also made me aware and realize, you know, I have a lot of things to be grateful for. And it's, it was, it gave us a lot of family time that we didn't anticipate having. Mm -hmm. And that was great. We did more puzzles and played more games and watched more movies and ate more pizza, um, in 2020 than any time before. That's awesome. I mean, in a, in a weird way, it's been, I feel like that's how it's been for a lot of people. It's, it's like this bittersweet thing. Like, yeah, there's all this uh, going on, but at the same time, it puts things into perspective. Yeah, and absolutely. <laughs> um, so what else are you working on? I know you said you have I'm, a lot. You have the podcast and you go live, you're writing books. Uh, is there anything extra that you'd like to advertise for? Well, we're hoping to, um, to do some type of a tour in 2021, summer or fall. So, so cool. that would be great because we were getting ready to set all of that up when this happened. And so of course, none of that came and then we had to cancel our cruise because we were supposed to do a cruise in October. Um, so in 2021, we are, we do plan and want to do a community cruise in October. We do plan on doing live shows. Um, and you know, we're hoping as the vaccine comes out and we're able to sort of squash this whole COVID thing that we will be able to be traveling and be doing shows, um, mid summer to early fall. So that's going to be our, our hope for 2021. Um, I do want to write another book. I have the idea. I just have to sell it. So I'm working on that. Um, you know, and I'm ready for, you know, I said I had this entire list of my goals for 2020. And I didn't cross any of them off my list. And I said, instead of ripping this list up, I'm just going to cross out the date and write 2021. The Perfect. goal, because the goals didn't change. I still want to do the things that I didn't get to do in 2020. Right. Um, and I, and so I laughed and cried a little bit when I found my list, but I said, well, it's okay. I'll just, I'll do it in 2021. Yeah. Yeah. And you're not going anywhere. So, you know, you might as well. I'll just get cracking on it. Right. That sounds so awesome though. Do a tour. So would it be like a, like a comedy tour where people buy tickets? Yeah, I think it'll be a comedy tour and I think it'll be with me and some of my friends. And I think we want to just, we're all in the same mind frame, frame of wanting to go out and be with people and laugh. Yeah. What's better than that? Yeah. I mean, I mean really, that's, that that's what like we want. Yeah, that's what we want to do, you know? 
And it'll probably have a lot to do with um, anxiety <laughs> and living with it and parenting through it and what that looks like. Right. And it looks different to everybody. You have to do whatever works for you. Yep. You can't yep. let other people's Agreed. judgments come in the way of that. <laughs> no, and that can be hard, but it's important that you, you know, kind of stay the course. So um, whether that person is your spouse or your best friend or your therapist, you just, you have to have somebody who helps you stay the course. Uh, and I know at times it can feel very lonely and that people don't understand, but you just have to find the person who understands and it's okay for that person to be a therapist. Cause a lot of times your family, they can't understand it and they can't see it because they've never gone through it. Yeah. Yeah. Or sometimes they're even too close. Like they know you on such a different level that they're like, Oh, you can handle it. Right. And it's, you're like, no, actually, I don't, I don't want to handle it. <laughs> I yeah. Need well, that's else. why, that's why I had to make a, that code word for my husband. I, I, and I had to sit him down and I had to, I had to explain to him. I said, you don't understand how I'm feeling in this moment. And when I get swirly, you need to understand that that means that I have so many racing thoughts. I have so many open tabs on my on my home screen. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking about every single one of those open tabs all at the same time. And now I'm stuck and I can't move. Right. And he need, and he didn't understand that because he only looks at one tab at a time, or he only has one tab open at a time. And I've got 987 tabs open. And right. so once he finally understood that, and we kind of got that agreement of like the code word is swirly. And then he knows when I say swirly, like, okay, okay. All right. So this, this is what we're going to do. Let me see your list. Let me see what we can do. Okay. Can you just do these things? Yeah. You know? And yeah. so he was great because at the beginning of the, um, like before, I think it was early November, I was getting really worked up about the holidays, even though I knew we weren't traveling and I knew we weren't going to see anybody. I was still getting worked up and I was, I was bordering on depressed. And so he said to me, go to Target and buy, um, buy the deck, buy the decorations. Cause we moved. So we got rid of a ton of stuff and he's like, buy the Christmas tree decorations. That's your job. That's what you have to do today. You have to buy Christmas tree decorations. Right. And so I went and bought Christmas tree decorations and it was oddly satisfying to come home and hang the decorations. Cause I could check it off the list. And it was something fun that I wanted to do. And you know, and he had bought me a new tree because we moved. And so he got me this new tree and it was, uh, you know, amazing. And so it was, you know, I was very blessed in that moment to have somebody just tell me all you need to do is today is buy Christmas tree decorations Cause there were a million things I could have done. And if I had left it to myself, I would have done all of those things and not the one fun thing. Right. And he was yeah. like, nobody is going to die right. if you don't do that. And you do this instead. Right. But in my brain, the whole world would collapse. Yep. Because that's what it feels like. Right. It feels like, oh, if I don't get this, this, and this done, even though they're not important to probably anybody else but me. Right. Like, I yeah. still remember the first time I told a therapist, year, probably, oh my gosh, probably, probably. 15 years ago, 14 years ago, that I told a therapist, um, I, 
I will hold going to the bathroom. Like I will not urinate if I'm in the middle of a task where I have a series of tasks to complete because I feel like I can't even give myself that break to go pee to stop. Like I have to do, if I was doing the dishes and then moving on, I will literally hold it until I'm going to burst because I feel like I've not even earned the ability to go to the bathroom yet because I have to complete the task. Like it would be that rigid and that stuck in my brain. Right. And the therapist was like, you won't pee if you have to pee, if you're not done with the dishes. And I said, well, no, because I didn't, I didn't complete the task. Yeah. And she's yeah. like, there's nothing in your life that you have to do that you have to not pee. Like you can always go pee. She's yeah. like, you're allowed to go pee. And like in my brain, I wasn't, it was like, yeah. you haven't earned the right to urinate because the dishes aren't done. And like somebody without anxiety doesn't understand, like you will stop yourself from feeling happy. You will stop yourself from urinating. You will stop yourself from eating. You will stop yourself from sleeping if you've not done those things. And, you know, people never, they like, if you meet me or if you see me just randomly live, I don't think that you would know those things about me. Like you would look at me and just be like, oh, you're such a normal Late, and it's like, yeah, well, what is the thing about the onion? It's like, you got to peel back them layers, yep. you know, like, you know, it's, it's just the way it is. Like you said, every brain works so differently mm -hmm. and it's taken me this many years to get at least to the point where I can be laid back enough to do this and have this conversation. But 14 years ago, I would have never told that story, let alone allow people to hear that. How many people hear it? You know? Yeah. And I would have yeah. never said that and been honest about it. Like yeah. how crazy does that sound that I won't let myself urinate until I've earned it? Like that's the sentence itself is crazy. Yeah. But to a person who is, you know, you know, crippled by anxiety, it makes sense. Right. And it does. I mean, we just, we just don't talk about it enough. And I think if we did, it would make the world a difference to at least someone. Cause they'd be like, wow, I do that too. I thought I was the only weirdo who did that. And it's like, no, you Not have a group of weirdos. Of, yeah. You have a group of friendly weirdos and we're all willing to uh, join in the weird game with you. I, I didn't know that normal, not only wasn't a thing, but it was the minority. Right. But you're taught it's the majority, but it's not. No. Because nobody's normal. I remember when Brian was diagnosed with his brain injury, um, which is technically um, mild cerebral palsy. Hmm. And the doctor said to me, you have no idea how many people are walking around missing an organ. Um, their bowels are built differently. Their, their brain is wired. He goes, nobody is normal, you know? And then he started giving these stats and he's like, you know, I think it was like 18% of people are born with one kidney or blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, what? And he's like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Everybody's, you know, everybody is, is built differently, whether it's the biologics or the, you know, the mental aspect or whatever. He's like, there is no normal. No. And then I was like, oh, <laughs> so it's just a bunch of actors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah. Yeah. You learn to pretend because, um, probably because it's easier because that's what's so socially accepted. Yeah. 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 It's easier than being like the, 
the oddball out, even though you're not realistically. No, but it's, you know, but that's what, I don't know. That's, that's why I'm lucky that I get to do what I do because it, it really does make, make me, um, feel better every day. Right. Right. You know, and that's, I'm lucky, but that's, I always urge people, if you're not happy doing what you're doing, then you're doing the wrong thing. Figure out what makes you happy and find a way to do that. I know it's easier said than done, but the only way reason I say it is because I've already done it. So I've earned the right to say it because I left a job that I wasn't happy doing. And I started a business from scratch, actually from debt with a credit card that I had to pay off. And I did these things and I did the hard things. And I'm here to tell you that if I could do the hard things, you can do the hard things too. Because I was, I was just a mom of three who wanted to start, you know, a community online so I could feel less lonely. And if you want to start something and do that, I didn't know it was going to turn into a podcast and published books and, uh, you know, a comedy tour. And I didn't know that any of those things were going to happen. Um, but I can tell you, I worked my ass off at every single one of them. And if you, if you want it and it's your passion, no matter what it is, you can have it. There's going to be a lot of tears and anxiety and stress, but you can get there, but the road is not paved, um, with, with, um, unicorns and rainbows, you know, that's not, that's not the deal. Nope. And and if it was, it probably wouldn't be as good when you ended up getting to that goal. Like it, yeah. it wouldn't feel as fulfilling, I feel. Right. Because it was, yep. it, it was almost too easy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's you know, the, the, the hard stuff is never easy to come by. No. 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 But that's what makes it worth it. And I know people hate hearing that because it's like, oh, I don't want to do hard stuff for stuff that I want but it's the journey right yeah and it's good to have the failures along the way because you learn lessons in them and um you know right before COVID I was pitching TV in 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 February and um at Netflix and Lifetime and TLC and HBO and then the world stopped and no TV happened and I looked at my husband and I said 2021. We're going to do, we're going to try again. We're going to figure it out and, and, and we'll pitch TV again. And if it doesn't work, you know, I'll, I'll figure out the next thing, you know, but that's been something that I've wanted to do for a very long time. I've wanted to write for TV and, and create shows. And if it doesn't happen in 2021, then I'll figure out what the next thing is in 2022, but I'll keep trying. Yeah. You got to keep going with the flow and you got to keep your goals at the the highest peak. Yep. I agree. You just work towards it. Well, thank you for coming on today. I really appreciated it. And I had a lot of fun. Thank you. I did as well. I, I, I'm a big fan of podcasts, so I always enjoy um, getting to be on, you know, somebody's podcast because I, you know, we host our own. So I'm always excited to get to be a guest. No, I'm so happy that you could join me today. I really appreciate it too. Well, I, 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 like I said, I appreciate that the, uh, the, the offer and I was happy to do it. And, um, you know, thanks for reaching out. It was, a, it's always, it's always nice, which sounds weird to talk about this stuff, 
um, because it helps normalize it. Mm -hmm. Even though it can be dicey at times, you have to talk about it. You have to, and it's uncomfortable, but you know, if you can help people along the way, it makes it more worth it. Right. But so is a colonoscopy, but those are also necessary to make sure everything is okay. True. So true. (laughs) Any procedures? Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And I am hoping that we could get together again, maybe in a year and do like an update. Of course. Sounds good. Sounds like a plan. Awesome. Thank you so much. You have a good one. You too. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Please check out Meredith's podcast, YouTube, and more. All the links are down below. And add us on Instagram for guest episodes and more. That link is down below too. Have a good one.